This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. Managing patches of habitat is an increasing need as landscapes become fragmented due to urbanization and agriculture. Knowing how to manage patches is a difficult task. What may make it easier are robust predictions about what species' needs are based simply on their traits. I recently caught up with Eleanor Slade at the British Ecological Society meeting in Birmingham in December to chat about her paper just out in Early View in Ecology. So my name is Dr Eleanor Slade. I'm a postdoc in the Spatial Food Web Ecology Group in the University of Helsinki and a research associate um, in the Department of Zoology at the University of Oxford. Um, I'm primarily, I guess, an invertebrate ecologist interested in invertebrate ecology and ecosystem functioning, um, particularly in um, human-dominated landscapes, so mm-hmm. looking at um, agroecosystems. What problem was your study trying to solve, or uh, what motivated your study? Um, so temperate forests uh, have become increasingly um, fragmented, and this means that they have reduced um, air core areas, reduced connectivity between patches, um, and this can be quite important for um, species to move between patches um, and um, their dispersal abilities. And so we were particularly interested in looking at whether um, moths as an understudied group um, of invertebrates, um, how they would respond to um, the fragmentation within the habitat and whether they could move between the patches in an agricultural matrix. So if you could describe your, your, the approach you took uh, in brief to address the problem, what, would, what, what was it? We used a mark release recapture study, which means that we put a unique, we marked a unique number on the forewing of um, the moths, and um, then we used light traps to um, retrap them again. And we had 44 of these light traps spread across the whole landscape in different fragment sizes, and at um, oaks that were isolated within the matrix, and at um, hedgerow um, trees, and. The other thing was that we were quite unique in that um, this study was done at a landscape scale, and this is the first ever um, study to be done at such a large scale, and this hasn't been done before probably because it requires a lot of manpower to do this, so we actually used citizen scientists to come out and help us collect that data. Right. So, so the light trap is like a malaise trap with a light at the top? or? Um, really. it's, it's kind of like, I guess, a pitfall trap with light yeah. at the top, so okay. the light hangs over the trap and draws okay. them in, and then they drop into okay. the trap um, okay. and can be captured. Getting right into the, the results, if you could sum up um, your findings in, in a, few, a few points, what would they be? Um, so we found that um, woodland um, specialists um, actually have quite high dispersal abilities, so Woodland species that have um, large and pointed wings can actually disperse quite far across the landscape um, relative to species that are non-woodland specialists with similar wing shapes. However, we also found that those were the species that were most affected by fragmentation, um, and they required a lot of connectivity, so they required a high density of hedgerows within the area and for um, trees, um, patches to be connected up by hedgerows. Mm-hmm. So um, because of their strong woodland affinity, they were actually restricted to patches greater than about five hectares in size. Mm. Um, but potentially, they could disperse much further than that. OK, so you, you mentioned um, moths of a particular wing shape um, or, or have different consequences for them. Is that a, Are those taxonomically you know, monophyletic groups, or the, those wing shapes across lots of different families of moths? Or? Yeah, so they do occur across the families of moths. So we actually mm-hmm. did include um, 
family in our analysis mm -hmm. and subfamily in our analysis to try and account for that. And we found that actually that family and subfamily by themselves weren't explaining a lot mm. of the variation in right. distances moved. So it is um, a widespread thing that right. we think. Right. So I imagine using a phylogeny would probably be hard to do with moths. Yeah. So <laughs> there, yeah, there isn't a, yeah. a, a standard phylogeny for Eurasian moths at the moment. Right. So, so what are your future plans um, for this research? Is it is it still ongoing? Is it is it done? Um, so this study um, is now complete, but we hope that um, it can, well, one, that it can be used as a kind of model for other citizen science projects. So we've shown that moths are a very good group to use for citizen science. They're um, relatively um, easy to identify and to trap. Um, they're a very diverse group, um, 30 times more diverse than butterflies mm. and five mm. times more diverse um, than birds, so a very, very diverse group. And, um, we're also working now um, with some colleagues um, in Helsinki University to try and um, map the movement patterns of moths for the whole of the UK. Mm -hmm. So because adults um, have a continuous mode of dispersal, um, the movement rates can be used um, to actually mm -hmm. estimate dispersal ability mm -hmm. um, and dispersal success. In terms of your citizen science um, approach to this, is that going to be, um, that seems like something that could scale really well so you could uh, you know, extend the um, studies and sampling to sort of lots of different places because it seems like you can get, you're likely to get, you know, citizens in involved rather than, you know, trying to convince scientists to, yeah. to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we think this could be scaled, um, could be scaled up. I mean, of course, the problem is that, for instance, if you took this to the tropics, you're dealing with many, many more uh, species and yeah. not such um, yeah. good identification keys, right. but certainly within Europe. Right. This would be something that you could replicate, right. again, using citizen scientists. Is the data going to become publicly available, or is it going to be held for a while? Um, we're publishing this study now mm -hmm. in um, ecology, okay. um, so that should be out in the new year. How general do you think the uh, results are? Um, you know, would you expect to see the same patterns in, in different taxonomic groups or different places, uh, regions with the same group of, of moths? So I think, I mean, obviously the, um, the sort of quantitative thing of, of our predicted movements um, right. for the species is probably not generalizable. So in different um, right. conditions, they might move different distances. But I think overall, the sort of general patterns of that moths with pointed wing shapes, for instance, move further and that woodland specialists move further probably um, is a general pattern that can, right. that, that will, would be found so in, is, in other is, moth species. is wing shape related to body size at all? Um, no. no. Okay. So, um, yeah, but larger, larger wings tend to be related to body size, but the actual whether they're pointed or right. rounded, um, yeah, small or, or large okay. species. So, so the last question um, I think is is why do you think this research is important? Um, you know, what are the what are the consequences? Um, yeah, why should people why should people take notice? Um, so, so. Um, the research on um, moths and on um, the decline of moths in the UK, so two-thirds of the UK's common moths are, are um, mm -hmm. listed as declining in a study by Butterfly Conservation. And um, so moths as a study group and the reasons for the decline um, have been listed as a research priority mm -hmm. in the 100 top 10 um, right. questions that Bill Sutherland published and also right. recently as well in the top 25 questions. So, um, mm -hmm. and these. I think these studies can be used for 
looking, for instance, at what might happen with climate change or, or mm. land use change, so predicting whether species will stay within the climatic envelopes or, or need to move when the climate changes. I have been speaking with Eleanor Slade of University of Helsinki for the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain.